Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. If I got 10,000 views, that would be great. First day, 100,000. And in less than five weeks, 5 million. And at that time, 5 million is a huge number, 2011, with the kind of internet penetration we had to Egypt, in Egypt. And then every single TV network are calling me, bring, wanting to bring me on their platform to do a show. And as I, I'm in talks with these networks, the papers from Cleveland arrived telling me that like your H1 visa is ready and you can come to the United States and the doctor is waiting there. And uh, making the, that decision was very hard because this is what I've been training for, seven years of medical school, 12 years of a practicing doctor, 19 years in total. And now I'm faced with the choice of the dream of me coming to America, working as a doctor is there and now have or do something that I was never trained for. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Glad to have you here. Glad that you tune into the show. For those of you who've been listening for a while, thank you so much. I'm so grateful, truly, truly grateful. And for those new people coming, thanks for being here. I know you're going to enjoy it a lot, especially this episode today, part one of Bassam Youssef. This guy is like no other person I've ever interviewed in my life, and you are going to find out why. And before I introduce him, I would like to take the time to let you know that you can reach me anytime you want at Barry Katz on Twitter or Instagram, or my website, barrycats.com. Also, we're going to be in Montreal at the Just for Laughs Festival, the Hyatt Regency, on July 27th at 1.30. Love to see you there if you're in the area. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest, and I know that this guy will inspire you. Here goes. Bassam Youssef, dubbed the John Stewart of the Arab world, was the host of the popular TV show Alberna Meg, which was the first political satire show in the Middle East. 
only a five-minute show on YouTube. It became the first show to transition from online to television in the Middle East and the most watched show across the region with 30 million viewers every week. Alberna Meg received wide acclaim around the world with coverage in some of the biggest media outlets, topping it off with Yusuf's appearance on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart twice. Throughout its three seasons, the show remained controversial through its humorous yet bold criticism of the ruling powers, which led to dozens of lawsuits being filed against the show and its host. Yusuf was even issued an arrest warrant in 2013 and turned himself in the next day where he was questioned for five hours and released on bail. In 2014, after a six-week break, the Alberna Meg team held a press conference where Yusuf announced the cancellation of the show due to overwhelming pressures on both the show and the airing channel. Currently, he hosts a digital series titled The Democracy Handbook for Fusion Network on its new digital platform, F Comedy. Additionally, he has recently released a book about his experience entitled Revolution for Dummies, Laughing Through the Arab Spring, where he gives different perspectives and insights on the Egyptian political scene through the Arab Spring and after. Last year, he teamed up with ABC Network and Larry Wilmore for a superhero Middle Eastern American family comedy that centered on an ordinary Middle Eastern American family with two superhero parents at a time when it was illegal to be a superhero. Although the show didn't get picked up, he continues to garner major interest in the television world. In recognition of all his successes, Yusuf was awarded the International Press Freedom Award by the CPJ, was chosen by Foreign Policy Magazine as one of the global thinkers, and was named among Time Magazine's most influential people in the world. You can check out his podcast called Remade in America at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other avenues where you listen. Please welcome my guest today, truly an honor, Bassem Youssef. Thank you so much. Really, really a pleasure. I have so many things to ask you. I truly am humbled by being across from you. Being in the satire business is essentially telling lies that are the truth and telling truths that are lies and twisting them all around into this stew of craziness. Mm. But when I sit across from you, it's the farthest thing from my mind is I'm sitting across from a satirist. I'm sitting across from somebody who's a leader of men and women and a powerful, powerful man who spent time in one world and came here and created holy shit moments in two different areas of the world. I can't even imagine going to Greece and making somebody laugh or going to Paris and speaking French and be able to be funny and garner people's attention and blow people the fuck away. And every clip of yours, every frame, there's no flaw. It always works. I just don't even know how it's possible that you do that. And I wanted to ask you, 
Do you feel like it's just a natural, seamless thing coming here? Is there any anxiety when you came here? Well, first of all, this is an amazing introduction. I don't know. I mean, we can just like end the, the show right now <laughs> because I can't top this because it's going to be all downhill from here. <laughs> People will now listen to you, then listen to me, and then they're going to be disappointed. It's like you just like raised our expectations. And now we're listening to this douchebag he's not that special thank you so much this is an amazing introduction i'm not a leader of men and women i am just like a guy who was a heart surgeon and then just like found himself into comedy and i that was not even planned none of the last seven years were ever planned i i was just like getting ready to go to cleveland because i was accepted to a heart surgery uh, uh, fellowship there and then the revolution happened did a couple of videos on youtube caught fire found myself hosting this show, I didn't, I didn't, I was, I never, nothing in my life prepared me to this. So I, I just like, I'm, I'm too humbled by your amazing introduction, but I, I can't get that much credit. Uh, I, I was pushed out of where I am, uh, where I was, and I came here and I had to rewire my brain, relearn everything that I knew about comedy, about even speaking, about cadence, about timing, about delivery to try to do comedy here, which is a very competitive scene, even within people who are born here and raised here. And here I am coming literally fresh off the boat, trying to break into this. I hope I am as good as you say, because if like, you know, I hope like executives in Hollywood will feel the same way because I should have had a show on television by now if they feel the same way like you did. But it is, it is a process. It's a process of learning of how to try to, what is funny in different language. You get here and you say that you have to figure out and relearn the process. It's almost like if I could be so bold, a dyslexic trying to figure out how to learn the language when everyone around them knows how to read the words properly, mm -hmm. but you have to read them your way. But I think it'd be fascinating for the audience to understand what was the first thing you looked at where you're studying, okay, let me look at this video of this guy, let me read this book of this person, let me watch this film here, let me watch this talk show appearance on Letterman by this guy, let me see this woman do stand-up here from this hour special. Like, what was the process? Well, I think it started when I was not even thinking about coming here to do comedy. It started when I was doing comedy back in Egypt because I was watching a lot of uh, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert, and I was trying to recreate that kind of uh, shows, uh, these kind of shows back in Egypt, and we were kind of be uh, reverse engineering it to try to do it in my home country. When I couldn't work in my country anymore and I had to come here, I didn't even think of doing comedy. I was just giving speeches. I was giving keynote speeches, inspirational speeches. But then I started to insert comedy. And some of, the, some of it didn't work. Some of them did. And I just continue watching American media and trying to deconstruct what is funny. Why is this joke said in in a way is funny and said in a different way not funny and then i tried to to be introduced into emphasis and cadence and speed and delivery and and it just I, i'm still learning i did I, I didn't crack the the code yet i go out and i do stand-up comedy and i do, do comedy shows and do live shows and i'm still learning 
what works and what doesn't. I'm starting to see what works with it. Even if you have a mixed audience, Middle Easterns and 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 uh, white American audience, it some things work for one part of the audience and doesn't work to the to some part of the audience. So trying to finding this form, it's a work in progress. I'm I'm still cracking it down, and it's, just, it's not it's not it's not a settled science. <laughs> one of the things about stand up that I still to this day, and I've been in this business longer than I probably should be. If you see a joke that's written on the page, just take a Stephen Wright joke. I have the oldest typewriter in the world. Mm-hmm. It types in pencil. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. So not a joke that's going to get a standing ovation, not a joke that's going to have people applauding wildly every time, but multiply your laugh and my producer's laugh and maybe my laugh by 300 or 400 times and it becomes a big laugh. And also add to it, Stephen writes like, I am the oldest typewriter in the world. He tried some pencil. <laughs> Does yeah. it hear you? Does yeah. it speak like that? <laughs> yeah. I and, love you. <laughs> and so technically speaking, when you see something on the page and you read it and you laugh, you'd think this is something special. It's hard to understand when you read these jokes that people write on a page and it's funny and you're laughing, but then they go on stage and for some reason they can't deliver the joke yes. the way it's supposed to go because of the timing or how they engage with the audience or however or, it is. Or the venue or, or, or how you engage. Yes, it, 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 and it happens a lot of time. I was, as a matter of fact, I did a show back to back, two nights, two different venues. Where? Uh, one in LA, one in Boston. One of them, I just crushed it. It was great. And the second one, I bombed so bad. And I didn't know why. I didn't, I, I, I didn't understand. I, I did not com- connect. I did not engage with the audience. I did not read the room. And this is something that comes, that's the difference between me and someone who's been doing stand-up for 10, 20, 25 years. And that's why I'm telling you it's still a work in progress. Uh, if I go to a place where there are people who know me and understand who I am and know like where I come from, they might have a better chance to connect with me. Uh, especially like most of my comedy are more political comedy, political satire. Is that your biggest frustration? The fact that you go on, you do the same thing, you crush, you go, you do the same thing in a different venue. They're looking at you like you have four heads. Yes. That's your most frustrating yeah, thing. Yeah, because I, I still need to, again, to decode what works and what doesn't. And why am I good at a, at a venue and I'm not good at a certain, another venue? And I'm sure there's a lot of comedians who struggle with that too. But because they are more experienced, they know why. And uh, it, it just, uh, it's a work in progress. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, 
and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to BarryCats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I want to tell you about a great product called Boku Superfoods. I just got back from Ohio and met with the owners of the company and I was just incredibly blown away by it. They have the purest, most potent and delicious superfood blends on the planet. It's just in these incredible powders where you just add any liquid you want, water, make smoothies. It's just so good and so healthy. Certified organic, kosher, and vegan, Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people all over the world. And I'm confident it will change your life. So much so that I worked out an unbelievable deal with the owners. You'll be able to get a full week's worth of Boku Superfood for free. All you got to do is pay minimal shipping and you can join the Boku Love Life Loyalty Team. Just go to tryboku.com and experience the difference of how it makes you look and feel. And you will understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. Now here's something that I find really fascinating about you. Your first, what you would call skilled profession, was heart surgeon. Mm -hmm. That's what you trained for. A lot of years training for that. Mm -hmm. Most likely more than seven or around the seven that you're doing now in comedy. Mm -hmm. You study doing this knowing that you can never fail. You can't fail one time. You can't bomb in surgery or else you're doing operations in Zimbabwe. <laughs> you might not even get one there. Mm. So... What blows me away about you, and there are so many things that are just so incredible about you, you train to be somebody who can never make a mistake. And then your next thing you work on is something that is defined and built by mistakes. Exactly. You're, that's why people say, like, which one is harder? Surgery or comedy, it's like comedy, of course, is harder <laughs> because like in surgery, you have all of these checks and balances, like assistants, uh, colleagues, people who work around it. There is like a it's, it's a defined science somehow. Of course, doctors make mistakes, but there is a science. There is a there's step one, step two, step three, all the way to step 500. There's a system, you do it, most probably you'll get it right. But in comedy... It's all subjective. There, there's no real uh, catalog for that. There's nothing that guarantees you that if you did this and followed by this, that you'll make it. Sometimes there are even comedians who don't even have good material, but they're very charismatic. And sometimes you have charismatic people with bad material and they will do it. And sometimes we'll have people with good material who will not do it. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. And I think it's the, it's the question for the ages. 
and 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 people still figure it out. There are people uh, that are more talented than others and don't get the chance to have as much fame as others. It's same thing as acting or performing or singing. Very subjective. Well, I always say the thing about singing is is that you could be in Anaheim, California, getting standing ovations in the cabaret mm-hmm. downtown every night, and you may never make it. But if you're a comedian who's getting standing ovations in Guadalajara, get a helmet because mm-hmm. people will find you and they will chase you like your ass is on fire and mm-hmm. you will make it and you will get your chance. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about comedy. I'm not saying there were a ton of great heart surgeons in the world, but I presume that there is an enormous amount of extraordinary heart surgeons in the world. Mm. Let's even pretend there's 50. In comedy, if I were to ask you, looking straight in your eyes, how many stand-up comedians do you think are extraordinary Yeah, it's going to be like 10 or 20. Yeah. Probably less. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing. Yet you've entered a field where it's so difficult and yet you embrace it and you're thrilled and you're excited about it. And not just that, even those 10 or 20 or 30, there are different tastes. So even the top five will not have the approval of other, uh, many of the audiences. If you're a good heart surgeon, you're a good heart surgeon everywhere. But if you're a good comedian, you might not be a good comedian everywhere. Most people listening to this podcast don't have an understanding of the world as much as you do. And so most people listening to this podcast have never been to the Middle East. They have no understanding of what it was like to live there, to grow up there, and what it was like to stumble upon a dream in this country we're used to hearing the stories all the time of the person who give you an example the late danny gans i don't know if you know who that was he was one of the greatest vegas entertainers in the world he was an impressionist and did music and he won the top entertainer in vegas 10 years in a row Mm -hmm. but what happened was he was a tremendous American baseball player and he was the best baseball player in the minor leagues about to get called up to the majors and he was a first baseman and he was about to catch the ball one time and some guy stepped on his Achilles and ruptured his Achilles and his career was over and he was depressed for a long time and couldn't even get out of bed and his father came to him one day and said listen let's go to Vegas. You're coming to Vegas with me. And he said, dad, I don't want to go to Vegas. I don't want it. Said, please for me, come with me. They go to Vegas. He takes them to a showroom. He's like, dad, what are we doing here? Just sit and watch. And the show he took him to see was Sammy Davis Jr. And Sammy at the time when he did Vegas did a lot of songs, but he did a lot of comedy too, believe it or not. And after the show, his father said, listen, I saw you with your friends on the baseball diamond. You're funny. You're always making jokes. You can do that. And so 
as fate would have it, something horrible that happened in his life. In this country, we're used to those stories where something happens and fate takes you to a different direction. But we presume in this country that when we think about the Middle East, that that's not a common occurrence. Yet it happened with you. Is it as rare as we think it is? And if it is or it isn't, would you mind describing how you make the transition from skilled surgeon to skilled comedy surgeon? Well, it it does it does happen because, for example, uh, I for I know that Americans don't follow soccer around the world, but there's like now an, a a good very good Egyptian soccer player called Mo Salah. He was uh, living in a small village and he had to commute five hours every day to uh, to get to the practice. And he was rejected by all of the major teams in Egypt. Now he's one of the most, the top and most expensive players in the world right now. And that's like an, an amazing journey. Uh, and there's a lot of stories like these. Uh, my story it just had to happen also outside of the country. I was rejected not because I had bad ratings. I was rejected because of the government didn't approve of what I had to do. Hey everybody, we have a new sponsor that I'm really excited about, For Hims. It's a one-stop shop for men regarding hair and sexuality and much, much more. It's common knowledge that we guys don't take care of ourselves as well as women do. For instance, 66% of all men lose their hair by age 35, but don't notice it until it's too late. But now there's a product that could prevent balding altogether. Forhims.com offers a wide range of products for hair loss, skin care, and other wellness supplements for men. Forhims.com will connect you with real doctors and medical grade solutions to prevent hair loss fast. So order now and get a special deal offered only to my listeners and go to forhimscom slash Barry, that's B-A-R-R-Y, and you'll get a trial month of For Hims for just five bucks. This would normally cost you hundreds of dollars. So just visit forhimscom slash Barry and get the deal of a lifetime. And I guarantee you, you will not regret it. Hey, everybody. I know I've talked a lot on this show about AquaTrue, the countertop water purification system that's literally a miniature water cooler purifier that's on your counter. It's only about maybe 10 to 12 inches high and maybe 10 to 12 inches wide in this triangle. It's this amazingly efficient piece of equipment that sits right on your counter. It has a nice pitcher, it has a press button where the water comes out and it gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. You just put your tap water in there and it purifies, it takes out all the bad chemicals, everything out and gives you the best tasting water you can ever imagine that would cost you hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of dollars each year from buying bottled water in the store where the plastic containers hurt the environment. It's just 
so much easier, so much better. And this product is amazing. I have one, everyone who comes over, everyone who uses it, they order one. And you should too, I'm telling you, it's incredible. And if you act now, you can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry, that's B-A-R-R-Y. And you'll immediately get the huge discount and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. Industrystandardwater.com, promo code Barry. And you'll never, ever waste another dollar buying another bottle of water for your home again. If you don't mind how somebody is a skilled person and what they've trained for for probably over seven years, presumably well-respected and well-received, saving a lot of lives. And then what's the transition? The transition was not planned at all. As I said, I, I, was, I just finished all of my uh, American transfer medical exams and I was ready, sent my paper, did some interviews in the United States, and I was ready to go. I was waiting for my papers to come from Cleveland. And uh, as I was waiting for the papers to come, something exceptional happened, which is the revolution, the, the Arab Spring happened. And then me, like any other doctor, went down to the streets, not to protest, not to throw rocks, not to do like go into the clashes with the security forces, but to be part of the medical teams fixing the wounds of all of those people being injured. But something happened to me there because I was faced with two realities, the reality that I saw on the streets and then the reality that I saw when I went back and I watched television. Because in the streets, these were like normal people asking for freedom. You go back, watch television, and it's like a, a brainwashing machine in place. They were lying to people, fabricating news. I think fake news was invented in 2011. And I decided that I, I, I want to, make, to comment on this. So I made these like very amateurish YouTube videos making fun of the media. But you never did that before. I never, but I was a, an avid follower of Jon Stewart. And I, and I thought that like I would love to see a John Stewart, uh, Stewart style show on television. But at that time, there's a lot of people who have access to the internet and uh, we watch John Stewart on whether YouTube or even Comedy Central website was accessible from there. And we, and I remember the first time I ever show, saw what John Stewart was the one hour weekly that was broadcast on CNN, the international edition. So I had access to John Stewart and, and I also came to America many times and when I come here, I would watch him. So I, I did this YouTube videos and I was, you know, I didn't think it would go anywhere. Maybe 10,000 people will watch me. And maybe after I go to Cleveland and come back in two years, somebody will discover these episodes online. But it didn't take two years. The pinpointed topic that you hit on your first video was what? It was like how the media was trying to convince people to get out of Tahrir Square and leave the streets and go back home. We're using all kinds of fear tactics. And I was making fun of that. And um, 
when that happened, I, I just like, yeah, I just put the stuff on the internet. Who films it for you? Do you hire a cameraman or are you shooting yourself? No, no, no. Uh, I I kind of like, I had a, f a couple of friends that like they came in and they set up a camera and, and uh, just very, very basic. And they help you upload it to YouTube. Yes. So take us through the next seven to 30 days. How often are you looking to see how many views you have? Yeah, I saw like a hit. You know, if I got 10,000 views, that would be great. First day, 100,000 views. <laughs> and, and in less than five weeks, five million. And at that time, five million is a huge number, 2011, with the kind of internet penetration we had to Egypt, in Egypt. And then every single TV network are calling me, bring, wanting to bring me on their platform to do a show. And as I, I'm in talks with these networks. After one video? No, after actually few ones. So because I was putting one every, every week. So five videos yes, and yeah. you're being offered your own show. Yes. And, and, and then, uh, and they, they actually, they came after the third one. But, and then uh, uh, as the talks were happening, the, the papers from Cleveland arrived telling me that like your H1 visa is ready and you can come to the United States. And the doctor is waiting there. And uh, making the, that decision was very hard because this is what I've been training for, seven years of medical school, 12 years of a practicing doctor, 19 years in total. And now I'm faced with the choice of the dream of me coming to America, working as a doctor is there. And now have or do something that I was never trained for. My other son is 13. Last night he shows me a YouTube channel that's his favorite. It's called The Yes Theory. <laughs> One of them is Egyptian. Then they I know. And he showed me this gut-wrenching episode that he wanted to show me about how he got a letter from his father saying, I don't approve of what you do. If you don't stop this YouTube thing, you're no longer my son, so you have a choice. There's only one choice. You can be my son and be with my family, or you keep going on that and you are not my son anymore. Did your family want to disown you? No, but my mom asked one thing of me, but you have to continue being a doctor. So for the next year, when I accepted to sign the, uh, the deal for the show, I still, I still went to college. I still went to the medical school and I still did shifts in the first year. So I was doing both of them. And it's not until another a year and a half. And then I kind of like, when the show became so big that I resigned. And at that time, my, my mom sewing, like seeing the success accepted. But I want to say something about the S theory. The Egyptian guy in the S theory videos, uh, his friends approached me saying that like uh, their Egyptian friend is having these letters from his dad and it's his birthday in two weeks and we would like to surprise him. So I went there, surprised him and he asked me what should I do and he did that video after I talked to him. I said like, you have to follow your dream and don't let anybody define your, your dreams for you. You are the one who should divide, <laughs> like define their dreams. So he did that video after he actually met me. I... And one of the few people, and this will probably make you jump over the table and strangle me or walk out of here, satire never grabbed a hold of me and shook me and 
made me take notice. I love John Stewart. Mm. I mean, I could spend this whole podcast talking about John Stewart. But satire was always something that just never grabbed hold of me, maybe because politics, it always disturbed me. And I know it's a way to make me make light of it and learn and get my mind in the right place. But I don't know, it just touches too much of a nerve. I can't get past the message to laugh as much as I should because it reminds me of how it is. Mm. And I don't know if I'm just a rare breed when it comes to that. That's why when I sit across from you, even clips where I see you with Colbert or Trevor Noah or Jon Stewart, doesn't look like there's any nerves or you're going toe to toe with them. You're even following through with the sketch the way they want it to. You're seamless with them. Maybe it, maybe because I don't know what does it like, you know, you know, little kids who have absolutely no experience. They're not afraid because they don't have <laughs> the fear of, because they haven't experienced that. So it's like I go there with absolutely nothing in my mind. Don't think too much about it because if I do, I'm going to be stressed out and I'm going to mess it out. So I try not to think too much about it. I just want to take a minute to share another groundbreaking, environmentally sound product with you. It's an unbelievable revolutionary air purifier that will change the way your home operates and it will make your life so much better. It's like no other product you'll ever find in the world. And I'm talking about the Air Doctor. As you know, air inside our homes can be up to a hundred times more polluted than the air outside. And until now, the only thing that could get rid of all these things in your house that were damaging to you and your family were systems that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. That's why I wanted to talk to you about the Air Doctor and share it with you. It removes everything, dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and so many other contaminants that circulate through your home that cover your walls, floors, and furniture. You can get the Air Doctor right now. It's normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon. But for you guys, for a limited time, I can give you 50% off and save you $300 off the Amazon price. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry. I have one of these. I'm telling you, it works. It really, really works. So get one now and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air you can ever imagine. It's truly incredible. It works for me and it'll work for you. I saw in one interview that you talked about how Donald Trump would be considered a tree hugger in your country. Yes. When you see how outraged people are of how the government is working now, sometimes do you just want to just look them in the eyes and say, go oh, fuck yourself. You don't even know what it's like to be in a government where something's messed up or do you sympathize with them because you're here now or does a part of your brain say jesus these people wouldn't even know what it's like to be in a government that's really really difficult so there's two 
two sides of this. There's the one that like uh, the condescending part is like, oh my God, I don't know how, how bad it is. But also realistic. I mean, that's that's kind of like the uh, the humorist part, the satirist part. Let's make fun of this that like you guys will know how bad it can get. But in, in reality, I think that people have all the right to be outraged because you are used to a certain kind of service and you should not settle for less just because there are other parts of the world that are much worse. So, so for example, like you going to have uh, dinner in a restaurant and then the, the service is bad, the waiters are horrible, the food is the food is cold everything is bad and then when you complain you say and no they could they couldn't come to us like oh you should be thankful because other parts of the world can't find any food to eat because you have paid for this service so this country paid for this kind of level of governance and democracy and not because there are some other parts of the world who be having it so bad people say you should let settle for less and i think the fact that people are always outraged and angry at the government is a way to keep the government in check. And I think that's good, and I think it should be, and we shouldn't tell them, go fuck yourself. You don't know how bad it is in the other parts of the world. We say this just like for kind of like for the purpose of humor and satire and making jokes. But I think people should always keep, hold their leaders to a much higher standard. People are used to a certain kind of service. Mm -hmm. As a person who's incredibly intelligent and worldly and has a working knowledge of probably every administration since the beginning of time. <laughs> Could you share with our audience when was the last time our country felt that they were getting peninsula hotel service from our government? Not to, no, of course not. No, no, no. What I'm saying like service, I mean freedom of expression. That's the kind of service that I mean. Not, not necessarily economical service. So when people are outraged for how is Donald Trump is putting down the media, it, do, it means that they want to keep the, the quality of freedom of expression alive. But that's the paradox of it all. And I have no dog in this fight. Mm. He's exercising his right of free speech. Yeah, cool. And he's being shit on because he's exercising exactly what we want everybody to have the right to do. Dude, this is and this is great, and this is why we have like this back and forth fight of like who has the better quality of freedom of speech and who should prevail, and nobody can shut people down. So Donald Trump, with all of how horrible he might be for some people, and for how he's criticizing Samantha B or SNL, he cannot go and shut down Samantha B or SNL. And this is the kind of surface that I'm talking about, that he can speak bad about them as much as he wants, but because people are pushing back, he cannot shut them down. You mind if I go toe-to-toe -to -toe with you? Please. He shut down the NFL on the protest. The In one year, he made them change the rules that if you can't protest anymore, you have to go in the locker room. You have to stay in the locker room. I would, I would disagree with this, and I would say that it was the NFL who pushed that because they're receiving $5 million from the military, that I think this was like basically the power of money. I've, and I think the NFL saw, because their demographics are different, and they saw many things that were affected. I think it all comes down to business and rating. So if Samantha B was getting $5 million from the military, could she be shut down? Maybe. 
maybe and maybe that will bring us to a bit a different problem of democracy in this country that what makes democracy run in this country maybe it's more about money it's like what's happening when people are getting elected to congress by your vote my, or his vote because I'm, I, i cannot vote yet so uh, people in uh, this country they vote for certain politicians and then they go and they work for the special interests of certain lobbies that pay them so maybe it's a bigger problem and that's actually i mean as much as we can talk about like democracy and 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 freedom of expression in this country sometimes it is turning more into an oligarchy more than a democracy and that's what worries me about the future of this country it's just like people with the so you are you have you have voted to elect certain people and then non elected uh, office officials they go and they vote for to kill net neutrality which is not in the good uh, interest of anybody so it's kind of like this is the stuff that we actually talk about whether trump is here or not basically because it's been going on forever right so for example you have for example the penny the american penny the yes. left, it it costs 1.7 penny to produce one penny it it costs the american government 50 million dollars a year extra from taxpayers money to continue producing the penny there is nothing good in continue producing this penny at this high cost right? because there's a certain lobby that a nickel or copper lobby who basically profit from this they pay five million dollars each year in lobbying money to buy votes in order that the government continue to pay to pay 50 million dollars extra each year to produce the penny that is not for the good best interest for the american taxpayers and yet it's happening because certain people have the money to lobby for this vote and it, it the same thing happens for big pharma big meat big sugar big whatever industry there who are basically buying votes to get legislation happening and now the people who have voted these people in place comes last And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just want to thank my incredible partners, starting with Wondery. Check out their lineup of some of the greatest podcasts in the world at Wondery.com. And AquaTrue, the revolutionary miniaturized countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately it'll turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. Get $100 off when you go to industrystandard.com and type in the promo code Barry. Start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. And you'll save tons of money a year like I have and never buy another bottle of water again. Also, amazing documentary called I Killed JFK centering on the only living person in history who ever admitted to killing John F. Kennedy. Go to ikilledjfk.com, buy the film, and you also get the rare interviews with five of the last living JFK assassination experts, and I guarantee you it'll change the way you think of the world. The Air Doctor, the groundbreaking portable air purification system, which will change your home environment and overall life for the better. The Air Doctor instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating through your home. Normally $600, and if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for you guys, for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. 
I got one of these systems and I'm telling you, it's truly incredible. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And finally, Boku Superfood, the purest, most potent and delicious superfood blends on the planet. Certified organic, kosher, and vegan Boku Superfood is changing the game for thousands of people in 65 countries. And I'm so confident it'll change your life that I worked out an incredible deal with the company. Get a full week's worth of Boku Superfood for free. Just pay the minimal shipping. Go to tryboku.com and experience the difference of how it makes you look and feel. And you will understand why Boku is the number one family-owned superfood company in the world. And that wraps up part one of two episodes. You can check out the next episode this coming Thursday. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get out the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you. Cause you're going far. Life is for the dreamers They have all to gain It's never quite over Till it all feels the same You pick your own poison Dig your own grave Down in the valley Fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to barrykatz.com. Before you leave, Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support, and have a great day.